Thriving in today's fast-paced world of change and disruption requires innovation. Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that explores the ins and outs of innovation with raw stories, real insights, and practical advice from the best and brightest in the world of startups and innovation. Each week, we'll bring you the latest ideas in lean startup, design thinking, corporate venture capital, and more. Now, let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to Inside Outside Innovation. This is Josh Berry. Before we get into this week's interview, I'd like to share that we'll be recording live from the Lean Startup Week conference this week. The Inside Outside podcast and our parent company, Econic, are honored to help sponsor the amazing events happening in San Francisco. This week, uh, they're bringing together lean startup experts and beginners from all across the world. I mean, companies, startups, universities, NGOs, uh, a bunch of people all gathering in San Francisco uh, for Lean Startup Week education and experience. We're going to be recording behind-the-scenes interviews with some of the top speakers and getting reactions from many of the participants. So if you're in the area, reach out to us on Twitter at the IO Podcast, and we'd love to get you on the show. Now, into today's interview. In honor of Lean Startup Week, I had the privilege of interviewing Jim Hornthal. Jim has been around the tech scene for years, helping lead one of the earliest online travel companies that eventually became Travelocity. Among the many things he does, he currently leads Launchpad Central, the software to help entrepreneurs and corporations turn new ideas into new businesses. Or as Jim states in his interview, the company helping innovate innovation. So cool. Jim's also an active investor, having been involved in dozens of deals, including Lyft, Lending Club, Jobvite, Kind Snacks, Change.org, and many, many others. Launchpad Central was rolling out a brand new version of their platform and was kind enough to jump on the phone with me as he's traveling the U.S. working with clients. In our interview, we're going to discuss what Jim's learned over the decades building companies, how he helped Steve Blank from the very early days of Lean to create Launchpad Central, and work with multitudes of teams from the National Science Foundation i program. So let us know if you're at Lean Startup Week. And uh, in the meantime, hope you enjoyed this great interview with Jim Hornthal. Given that vast uh, array of things that you do, Jim, where, where do you draw the most passion? What, what provides the most fire for you? Yeah, so, you know, honestly, there's, there's a certain amount of hubris that gets us involved in Launchpad Central because what we're trying to do is innovate innovation, which is a big idea. Mm-hmm. But we're tracking on some of the thought leadership that Steve Blank brought to the table day one. And if you think about how you make a dent in the universe, it's by providing the tools, the weaponry, the arsenal to help innovation be a slightly less risky road to navigate. And by trying to create and uh, democratize access to some of those tools, personally for me, that's what gets me up in the morning and keeps me going. And the sad truth of any successful venture you look at today, that they never wound up where they started. Um, and the other truth is there's countless of mistakes that we make along the way. Um, you know, imagine if you had an archive of all the mistakes that have gone before you by people who tried to do something similar, um, how much further along you'd be in the road, and especially true in the enterprise. So you know, that basic vision of trying to take the innovation capital in a company, the people, the ideas, uh, the methodology uh, delivers real results to real people, and it's exciting as hell to be a small part of that. Sure. So uh, one thing that we see as a trend in larger organizations 
uh, and, and I'd love for you to dispute this because I'd love to be wrong on this, is, is we see people even more quick to adopt technology in the collection of ideas, right, uh, of, of, of soliciting them from the crowd or from employees or whatever it might be. Right. Uh, and not always as quick to adopt technology in the management, as you said, of those ideas and the projects and the innovation. Uh, it, it always seems like they're cobbling together a number of different systems and platforms to do that, but they're quicker to spend money on the collection of the ideas. Is, is this well, a facade? I, or? I, think, not, I think it's a continuum. I think it's an accurate observation in general. Um, you know, the continuum is really find, filter, and fund. Mm-hmm. So you start with the finding, and there's companies like Stigat um, that do a great job crowdsourcing the ideas as a feeder stock to what you're going to do with them. But a lot of the companies we're talking to are using spreadsheets and other you know, sharing tabular format artifacts of the last century to help them understand what's going on. And you know, the same way that Tesla is improving navigation for cars with new technologies and new sensors and new devices, similar technologies exist today in managing the innovation process. And I think you're right, but it starts with some tools and you know, better to begin collecting the ideas in a structured way than not. But then what do you do with those ideas? And so you know, the opportunity that we're really focused on is that filtering of ideas. Um, Steve Blank likes to call it innovation at 50x, 10 times the ideas and one-fifth the time. Mm-hmm. And we've got hard evidence and success stories that talk about how that really is impactful. So I think your observation is generally directionally correct, but we're also finding an increasing number of uh, enterprise clients eager to take the ideas that they've been able to generate through a variety of sources and systematically in a very uh, efficient and rapid way sort through and do triage. You know, which are the best ideas, which are the worst ones, you know, and again, if you believe that every idea you start with won't be where you end up, it's all about pattern recognition and how do you overlay pattern acquisition, which is the essence of lean, to come to the ability to collect the dots so you can then ultimately connect the dots in an optimal way. And yeah. you know, so the, the basic building blocks of that are well known. You know, it's really getting out of the building uh, with customer discovery. It's using tools like a business model canvas that Alexander Osterwald designed to track the evolution of your ideas, to be able to, to create a rapid series of minimum viable products or prototypes to show potential customers what it is you're thinking about and talking about, and ultimately to have an operating system that is uh, basically a way of having collective intelligence that can be shared across the enterprise so that the subsequent groups of teams and innovators benefit from the things that went before them. You know, Edison said, I haven't failed, I've just found 10,000 things that don't work. Mm-hmm. But in the laboratory, lab notebooks structure every experiment. You know, the temperature and the light and the materials used and those failed experiments help the next experiment. And we're really good in the lab doing this with Bunsen burners and beakers and test tubes. We're just now learning how to do it with customers, products, and markets. And, you know, we're sitting now four years after our first implementation with 11,500 teams, uh, over 400,000 hypotheses that have been tested. We've documented 48,000 pivots within those companies and teams. And we're learning how to help a team quickly, more quickly assess the desirability of what they think they want to do, the feasibility of what is possible, and the viability of whether it can be profitable in a way that you know, gives them command of the resources that they're trying to uh, articulate and manage. 
Yeah, well, I, I think um, supporting that, I, I agree. And I think that part, the, the filter side and, and the validation and vetting or, or killing of those ideas, the execution on those ideas in general is more valuable potentially than just mm-hmm. a wider spread collection of those ideas. Correct. With the dissemination of ideas, with, with, with the speed at which new ideas spread, uh, I think there's even a, a, a stronger teeter-totter towards the value on efficient, effective execution on those ideas and the ones that make the most sense with your model. So I, I think the tools and the methodologies that you help promote and support only continue to get well, even more valuable as they go along. And, and you use an interesting word, you know, execution. The question is, when do you crossfade from discovery to execution? Mm-hmm. And when do you have enough evidence and facts to justify a bigger investment to go do that which you think you want to do? Um, some of the biggest failures have happened from people executing the wrong strategy and the wrong tactics too soon because they don't have a high fidelity signal as to what the market might be most suited to accepting. Um, one of our enterprise clients actually gave us some feedback. They, we work with them now for almost two years. It used to take them on average about two years to determine if a project was truly viable and worthy of investment. They now do that in two months. Wow. And it's lowered the production, the actual project cost by over 50%, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And part of that is really taking a focused effort to get out of the building and acquire those signals as to what is and isn't a value proposition, what are or are not accurately targeted customer segments, what channels might serve them, what partners would you work with, what's the pricing model, and so on. And you know, left to its own devices, these projects take a long time because there's no oversight to the process and the mechanics of trying to graduate, if you will, from an idea to an honest venture. And a number of times we'll see things that were green-lighted and ready to go with significant budgets that upon a more careful, critical view of what the world outside the building looks like sure. um, can often be shelved or killed. So uh, you've talked a little bit about uh, that discovery phase and then moving into the execution phase. Um, lean startup customer development methodologies, should they ever stop? Uh, once I've got more or less the, the the market segments figured out and what the right value proposition is and the right channels and the revenue model, right. now it's time just to go build, right? I don't well, actually well, yeah, need I think, to keep... I, I think there's that's a great question. You know, there's there's the McKinsey's writing about the horizons of innovation, you know, mm-hmm. H one being that which keeps your current business getting better and almost every business you talk to is comfortable with that because most things are known. Um H two, you're not so sure, you gotta get out of your comfort zone, either learn a new model or noodle new technology or learn a new channel. Uh H three are the hardest to predict. Those are the things that are just things you're not doing today and maybe you should or maybe you shouldn't. But the concept of a company ceasing discovery is one that sort of defies description. The question is, how do you manage it? If every one of the companies doing discovery, you'll fail to execute and you'll go bankrupt. Um, and it's a real question of how you balance this constant process to reassess and reevaluate the changing dynamics of your industry, your competitive map, technologies, opportunities. So there's always a, a curiosity, sort of the meerkat popping up and looking around. And, and if you fail to do that, it's very likely that you've shortened your life expectancy, um, but it takes a certain amount of risk acceptance and uncertainty where, you know, one of the efforts we do is help companies quantify the risk. Um, one of the things when Kennedy announced that we're going to the moon in 1960, uh, the 
little known secret is about a third of all rocket launches failed. And that's a bad thing if you want to go to the moon in a manned vehicle. Mm -hmm. So NASA and DOD got together to create a uh, a notation called the technology readiness level. And now uh, we're able to understand TRL-1 is basically an idea. TRL-3 is a breadboard prototype. TRL-5, you're field testing. TRL-9, that technology is solid. And if we can do it for technology, why can't we do it for investment readiness level versus Mm -hmm. technology readiness level? So if we allow the companies to incorporate a new metric in their analysis, they can further accelerate and filter in a more refined, granular manner two different projects. You know, when you go to the supermarket, you can buy items on completely different aisles. But if you look at the back, they will still tell you how much sugar, how much salt, how much fat, even though they're very different products. And the idea of different projects still have basic issues. And putting the teams through a discipline, the initiatives and the projects through discipline, helps get a signal as to the relative strength of one idea over another. The, the thing that we've noted, though, that's pretty remarkable is you know, every team navigating these rapids is best served, if you think about it, going on a river trip. Um, if it's a really tough river, you want a guide. You want someone in the back of that boat to help you steer. And what we've seen is the role of mentorship or coaching is amazing because the more experienced that mentor is on the process of lean, the more effective the team is in terms of how many interviews it has to do to really get a valid signal, mm-hmm. in terms of what a properly phrased segment or value prop might be, um, how many times they're wrong relative to how many times they're right, sort of an invalid-to-valid ratio is another metric of just progress. So part of that human capital within an organization is uh, one of our clients, you know, the first cohort, all the people became mentors to the second cohort. And the second okay. cohort and first cohort helped mentor the third cohort. And the third cohort still goes back to the discovery interviews of the first cohort, continuing to um, excavate and repurpose the insights and opportunities that they've uncovered in 2,500 interviews. So the fourth cohort starts on the back of 2,500 prior interviews. And they're so much smarter as a result of the mentorship that they can further accelerate and improve the efficiencies within their own universe than they could have, you know, two years ago when they were just fresh off the blocks. Sure. So, Jim, one of the things that uh, I do when I'm not recording podcasts with great guests like you is we help companies uh, set up those corporate innovation labs or those innovator in residence programs. And uh, one of the questions that we get many times is we think we need these mentors or coaches. People would agree with it. Where do I find these mentors or coaches, especially if I'm getting started out of the gate? Right. Um, There's no one answer. But what we've seen is often the best ones come from within the organization. They just need a little Mm -hmm. guidance and hand-holding in the beginning. And so if you're looking at a multi-year transformation within an organization, not a multi-week or a multi-month quick fix, then you'll find one task where, uh, and again, I'm thinking of one client in particular, that they really value the capacity to, to bring their own people up to speed and on this journey. Uh, we have another client that, frankly, wants the external voice. They they want the quote-unquote bad cop to not mm-hmm. be part of their corporate culture. You know, a lot of times the mentor is saying, that makes no sense. That's crazy. Why are you doing this? And for some cultures, that's a harder pill to swallow and a harder message to convey, even though the organization overall values that constructive feedback and criticism, uh, they prefer an outsider do it. So there's a growing cohort of talented, trained coaches, and professionals that can guide 
organizations and teams through the process. Um, you know, what, what Launchpad provides with its tools is a common set of resources and benchmarks to make the whole system more efficient, whether they're internal or external, uh, guides, coaches, or instructors. But, but the real question is providing a very transparent and available resource to foster collaboration and ultimately better decision-making within the organization. Okay. Uh, any other topics you want to mention? No, I, I, yeah, I think it's a, it's a journey for, for all of the folks brave enough to try and do something new. Uh, they're going to meet obstacles along the way if people are convinced they're crazy, um, and that's because they probably are crazy, and most people probably are right. Um, and the fact that most new ventures fail, the goal is to have them fail quickly, efficiently, and learn maximum amount from the failure so that you can spend time in a place that's better. I and mean, to me, the biggest source of diligence to any team is, is this worth your time? Let's assume you get the money and the market's almost right. Is this really worth your time? And if you are able to go through a process and plus or minus 100 interviews later, come to a conclusion that the signal you're getting and the signal you're reading honestly is directionally correct, then you feel better about the commitment you're making personally, professionally, financially mm-hmm. to, to pursue that vision, that dream. Um, so I think our whole goal at Launchpad Central is to democratize access to the tools, to take a typically opaque process, make it more transparent, and make those tools readily available to the innovators who are going to change the world. All right, Jim. Uh, if anybody wants to learn more about you or Launchpad Central, where can they go to find out more? So launchpadcentral.com would be our homepage. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a hidden page somewhere there about me. Um, I'm on Twitter at Hornfall, H-O-R-N-P-H-A-L, and also on LinkedIn. Um, But frankly, finding me is, I think, a lot less exciting than finding the tools that the team is working on. We've got some terrific engineers uh, and folks in marketing that are really pushing the envelope. And our clients are living testimony to the results that we're able to deliver. And we want to be able to deliver those tools to more people. Sounds great, Jim. Thank you so much uh, for taking time out of your busy travel schedule to be with us and share more about your findings. Thanks, Jim. Well, that's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Reach out and let us know uh, what you're thinking. Uh, Give us your feedback. Uh, You can reach us on Twitter at the IO Podcast. And if you have 30 seconds to spare, please, we'd love to hear from you on iTunes as well. Go over there, review us, uh, give us uh, an opportunity to uh, earn your trust and business, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Till next time, go out and innovate.